Welcome to this message from Port Life Church. Our goal is to bring life to the Port community and beyond. And our hope is that this message will inspire and encourage you today. They're both still there. And now I've got one of Kendi's as well. Um, so as you can see, those cysts, um, what happens is there's no way, and that's the size of a football, so mine's pretty close to that, but there's no way that, that kidney is going to clean blood very well. And that's what it does for you guys, of course. The, the kidney cleans the blood, keeps you feeling fresh and healthy and, and so on. So we just thought it'd be good to set the scene as to what it looks like. Um, so what's the solution? So the solution from there is, um, well, three things. You can sit on dialysis for a very, very long time. You can go on uh, a donor list and wait, or you're lucky enough to have a live donor, uh, which we want to talk about today. So if you just go again with the next slide, Lige. So there's me on dialysis. I was really lucky. Um, I was only on dialysis for six weeks, so four hours a day for three days a week for six weeks. And the, the interesting thing is, so that's me there. So what happens is, um, without getting too in-depth, over about the four, four-and-a-half-hour mark, the machine will clean my blood six times and get me so, so healthy to be able to press on for another day and then go back to the RA and, and have it done again. Um, met a lot of interesting people, obviously, with that happening, and, and I guess the sad thing is there are people in there that have been doing that for 20 years, 30 years, because they've got so many other health conditions that um, a kidney transplant is not an option. Um, and it's really daunting when you go in and see that, but even more, I guess, embarrassing when you go in and the nurses know that you're lined up for a transplant in two, three, four, five weeks, and they celebrate that with you when you're in there every time you walk in, only for the others to sit in the background and hear that, oh, gosh, here he comes again, Mr. Kidney Transplant. <laughs> Scared to go to sleep in case one of them sneaks over and cuts cord and... But yeah, they would every well oh, count they'd count it down as I was going in there. And I just kept saying to them, Shh, keep it down, mate. These guys are in here for the long haul. So um so really uh yeah, really eye-opening and and I guess super blessed to know that I'm only going through that for a very short period of time um until I was lucky enough to get uh Kendi's kidney. So we talk about live donor, and that's the direction. We want to step into today, and as far as live donors concerned, I've got this little thing here where God sent me the rowboat, the motorboat, and the helicopter all in one lady. And for those of that have seen that um, picture before, it's, it's it's pretty lucky. So one more slide for you. So that's the kidney that I've got is in my uh, in my right hip for strange reason. That's where it goes. My other two are still there, and um, yeah, the new one sits in the right hip. So they took it out of Kendi's left hip, or went inside Kendi's left hip and put it. Um, in my right. So, wow, the interesting thing is, you know, we've been married for 20-something, 20 27. <laughs> yes, 27 years. We've known each other for a very long time. And the thing that blows me away is that God knew before we met, or I had the disease before we met, but God knew before we met that um, you're marrying a lady that's a so-called perfect match with a kidney that's going to get you out of trouble 30 years down the track. So, um, he knew we were a match before we met in that nightclub in Mildura. She was a breakdancer, you would never have guessed. I waited for her to finish her routine, introduce myself, and it, and it just went from there. Um, this is pretty slippery. You could, I don't know. And then, of course, they, um, God knew we were a match before on our very first date. She served me that frozen schnitzel stuck to another frozen schnitzel. Um, her cooking has improved, even though for some reason... Kurt and I still pray after we eat. It's a, it's a weird thing. 
It's weird. But anyway, a couple of scriptures come to mind before, I, before she gets a chance to come back at me. So Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope in the future. And, and Psalms 147, 4, 5, he determines the number of stars and calls them each by name. Great is our Lord and mighty in power. His understanding has no limit. And before I hand over to Kenny, it's just, yeah, it truly is amazing that, um, and we did meet in a nightclub. The breakdance thing was a joke, of course. Um, she was the door hag. No. <laughs> um, that's also a joke. Uh, but the book's real. Amazon, twelve seventy eight. Um, yeah, to, to know that I was, I, I didn't, I don't have to sit on that dialysis machine for, for 20, 30 years and go on a, on a live donor or a, a deceased donor list, which my father had to do and he had to wait for five years. So he had that machine at home in a spare room for over five years and my mum would administer the dialysis for that period of time. So I'm truly blessed and lucky to be in a position that I'm in. All right, over to you. So we sort of split up the story in four parts. So we've got the lead up, um, invisible stage, the surgery stage, and then the follow up. So just so that you know, it's going to be, we're going to go back and forwards a bit. Um, So in December 21, God told me that I would use everything I've learned in the last 20 years. And if you know me, we've got a very close relationship, myself and Jesus. In the last 20 years, I've learned a lot about myself and other situations. So when he told me that, I just sort of went, okay, whatever Jesus, like, I don't think so. But let me tell you, I've used every single verse, every revelation, every single thing that he has taught me in this last year. Now, something that's really a chapter that's been really special to me is Psalms 23. Um, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He leads me down green pastures and he leads me beside still and restful waters. He refreshes and restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me, for your rod protects and your staff guides me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint and refresh my head with oil. Surely goodness and mercy and unfailing love shall follow me all the days of my life. Now, so that really has come to life for me and I'll explain it a bit later how all the verses join and it's very exciting. I get very excited about it. But so all the testing, it was very emotional um, spiritually and physically in every aspect. Um, the specialists were really, really big on cohesion. So if Scott was bribing me, um, or if there was any threat, they're, they're really big on it. They're like, listen, behind closed doors, as soon as you tell us you don't want to do it, we can stop it. Like, they were really, really big. And even right before, they're like, you've got to surgery to say you want out. So they were really big on that because it's quite a big concern here. It happens a bit. Um, the other thing they were very confronting, I suppose some of the truths were very confronting, was you can't save your kids. So... Um, if anything happens to my kids, I can't give them a kidney. So I can't do that. So that was very confronting. The other thing was there's nothing wrong with you. So you're deliberately putting a healthy body into surgery that it might not go well. The last one that I struggled with as a mum was I was deliberately putting my kids in a situation where both their parents were having major surgery on the same day. Um, So I really struggled 
with that. Um, and then I remember it was quite overwhelming and I remember speaking to Molly and Molly was like, well, be more of an issue if you weren't going to give it to Dad than if you are. So, and Kurt was oblivious to that that was even a thought pattern. So he was like, oh, whatever. So um, that worked well. But yeah, I found that really, really hard. Um, hang on. Um, and leading, so some of you may know me, may not know me here, but I like to be in control, like to be organised, like to have lists, like to know what's going on. So for this, as soon as they're like, you could be a match, I'm like, right, I'm organising all of this. I've got this all set out. This is how it's going to work. This is how it's going to happen. And then I'm like, okay, Kendi, you're not in control. So I basically had a conversation with God and I'm like, this is how it's going to go. I said, God, you, if I, so there's two, there's two sorts of matches. There's a DNA match, which is a lot higher. And then there's a spousal match. So it's not as high, but you can have a higher spousal match. So I said, God, this is how it's going to go. If I'm the highest spousal match possible, I know it's you. If I'm a medium range, like if I'm a match but not a great match, I have to choose to believe that you have a better plan. Now, I have to trust your process and you have something else down the track. I'm not in control. So that was really hard um, for someone like me who is, likes to be in control. And throughout this whole journey, I've had lots of conversations with God saying, you know, I know you can heal him right now. You can heal him from polycystic kidneys. You can do it now. I'll speak of your name forever if you do it. Like, I know you can, but I know I have to trust the process and I don't know why he hasn't. But I know you can, but I'm going to trust the process. So we've had that, those conversations continually. Um, yeah, that's it back up to you. Thank you. Um, I guess the big thing is, living with this um, disease or, or whatever it is, it really is invisible. And obviously a lot of people are going through some stuff that you can't see. So I've, I've been very uh, conscientious over the years as the kidneys have grown to 21 and 19 centimetres. My stomach is obviously getting bigger and bigger and bigger. I've got some skinny legs and skinny arms, but the, the stomach just keeps getting bigger and diets and exercise didn't really do anything. Um, yeah, it made my legs skinny and my arms skinny, but... Um, that stomach was really just just growing and growing and and, it, and it, I see it out there and I'm scared to go up to people that look a bit like me and ask them if that's the case. But um, yeah, just really copped some comments, I guess, from people, especially at work where you see the same people every day. And I remember a lady came up to me and <laughs> rubbed my belly one time and asked me when the baby was due. And I thought to myself, if I'd have done that to her and she'd gone to HR... <laughs> I'd be at Centrelink before you could blink. But, you know, I'm, I'm not that kind of person and I certainly didn't go and complain about it or anything like that. Actually, she lives not far from here, so we moved her to the Murray Bridge office just to get back at her. <laughs> no, that's not true. Um, and then obviously very conscious the way I stand in photos and, you know, jump at the back and, you know, conscious of my posture and different things as well. So... Um, so I really only explained, it's really hard for someone to say, oh, geez, you put on weight. Yes, I've got a kidney disease called polycystic. You know, you just don't go into detail because it's really just not worth it. You just suck it up and move on. Um, which, which I, I is, give the glare. I'm just like, uh-huh, uh-huh. She wants to smash him, but what are you going to do? If you, <laughs> if you explained it to everyone that said something about, you know, um, the way I was standing or the way I was looking, but um, you only really explain it to those that are, that are close up or family members and then they hopefully realise that, yeah, these things are growing and getting bigger. And um, some of you might be thinking, well, why didn't they take them out when they gave you candies? Well, it's such a big surgery to get one. 
Um, I had space, being such a large person, I had space um, for the new one without taking the old ones out. So typically, I guess what's happening is the blood, the, the other two dodgy ones are connected as well. So the three kidneys are connected. Um, they're all cleaning the blood at the same time, but the good one, Kendi's, is the one doing all the work. Uh, so, yeah, just really lucky. So, yes, down the track, maybe I'll have one or both out, um, but for now they're both in there. So the journey really has shown me that the old saying is the true is that you can't judge a book by its cover. And so many people are going through things that are invisible and hidden that um, on any given day, to, to make a comment the wrong way here or the wrong way there could just have such a detrimental effect. So 1 Samuel 16, 7, but the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height. That's interesting because I am told. For I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. So that, living with this for the you know, numerous years has really, really given me the, um, the approach that, yeah, you, you just can't judge a book by its cover and, and look at people and even if they're smiling and having a great day, stuff may be going on. So, and then John 7, 24, start judging me by mere appearances, but instead judge me correctly. Um, and another thing that I failed to mention that you, you may be thinking is, well, what about your kids if your dad handed it down to you? So Molly's had a scan at 21 uh, and no real indication of the disease. And Kurt's only 16. So mine really didn't show up until I was about 22. So we probably have to hold off a little bit longer on our kids to see whether um, whether they've got the same thing that I've got. But by, if they have, and then by the time they're due for a transplant, the way you know medicine is moving, then it, it could be something completely different that they experience um, than what we've gone through. Um, so the term invisible means unable to see someone or something that cannot be seen or perceived. Um, there'll be lots and lots of people in this room going through something invisible now, um, whether it's emotional, spiritually or physical. Everyone goes through something and how people react to you is 99.9% .9 got nothing to do with you. It's to do with what they're going through. Um, a few years ago, God, um, you know, like he's challenged me a lot over the years, which I think is all for last year that he did. But he taught me a few years ago that I was to be silent and kind. So I wasn't to give my opinion, which really hard, when I think my opinion's correct. So, but then I realised that my opinion is only based on my life. So what my experiences is my opinion, which is so blessed my life. So really my opinion is not worth anything to anyone but myself. So it was really hard when you saw situations and you're like, oh, so I want to tell them how to do that. That's just so not right. You know, they could do this, this, this and this. Um, but, of course, what I've realised is I'm only seeing what they're showing me. That's not actually what's going on. That's just the side effect that they want to show me or what they're willing to share. That's probably not even the issue. So I think I've learned, especially with Scott's health, that, you know, you don't want to be a victim in how you hold yourself. You want to deal with your issues as you move forward. But at the same time, we need to be so kind to people. Because, um, yeah, I, did, I have a very good death glare, if you know me. It's so good. It's got the tongue in the cheek. It's full good. So when people, when Scott comes home and says, oh, some such and such said this today, I'm just like, 
when I see her next? And then I have to like, no, no, be kind. You know, they don't know. But you just have to be really careful. And I think the exciting thing you've got to know, if anyone here is going through something that people don't know about or you think, I can't believe that family's happy on Facebook and I'm not, and, you know, it's all so fake, just remember that God knows what you're going through. He knows when you're by yourself at 12 o'clock at night crying in your bed. He knows what you're struggling with. And there's been so little, little miracles throughout this year that I'm like, oh, God. It's so good doing that to me today. Like, just really gracious. Like, he knows. and But he's with you every, every step of the way. Um, now, Scott was very highly functioning. So what you see now has not been here for, like, 18 months, two years. His personality has just been very, well, um, very fogged all the time. He would come home from work and he'd be so highly functioning, being good for everybody that he would crash. Either he would shake to the stage where his body shutting down, get a chill, be really foggy, sleep. It would take Kurt and Scott about a week to watch a movie. He would, they'd start watching it, then he'd be snoring and he'd be asleep, so Kurt would pause it, then the next night they'd go again and again. Just couldn't stay awake. Um, so, yeah, there were lots of symptoms that no one saw. I'm just going to read you a journal entry. One of, I love journaling, but I'll just read you one of the journal entries I won't throughout the year. So the last few days, I'll take my glasses off so it's a bit clearer. So the last few days I struggled with Scott's health. I know he doesn't have the ability to be who he used to be, but it's really annoying when he is home but not present as he's in a brain fog. He's totally unaware unless I bring it up and then I sound so whiny. I also need to work on me as I'm having a major operation, but I'm finding that hard as he is so important to me and needy. I feel like I'm doing both parents' roles due to Scott being unwell. I know he can't give me anything as he's just getting through the day sometimes. Lord, help me get rid of all these I quotes and statements. May I lose my facial expressions. <laughs> I'm very good at them. May I lose my facial expressions and little nasty comments. I did not know this year was going to be so lonely and isolating. And it wasn't lonely in the fact of having support and friends and this church has been amazing through the whole process. Like our family, it's isolating within yourself. It's weird to explain unless you know. You can be around heaps of people and still lonely. Um, but God knows that feeling. Like he knows. And, yeah, he's just, oh, don't get me started, he's so exciting. I just, yeah, he gets, I get so excited when I talk about him because he truly knows, like he's your best friend. He, you know, there's songs that say he's closer than your brother, he's, you know, beneath your skin. He's just amazing. Anyway, in May of 2022, of last year, um, so from 2020 to 2022, Scott slowly deteriorated. Um, in May of 2020, um, our son Kurt was coming back from an ankle surgery and he was going to play his first game of basketball. We're all really excited. Um, anyway, gets on the court, 40 seconds, does his knee. Has to have a full ACL reconstruction. Um, so as you can imagine, my chats with God continued and I wasn't very happy. I was basically in the backyard. Lucky Scott was well that weekend because he could take him to the surgery, to the surgeon, because I was like doing the Psalms of Kendi in the backyard. I was so angry. Then at the end going, I know you're good. I know you're good. But I really, I really struggled. And this is one of my journal entries um, on the 3rd of May. Lord, you, to you told us today Kurt needed a knee reconstruction. Another year out of sport. So upset for him. Too many emotions to journal, not sure why this would be part of your plan. It just seems so cruel. 
but I know you're good and I know you know his name, but I still just don't get it. I'm so heartbroken. Never felt like this before. There is too much this year I'm not in control of. You said your plans were bigger than we can see, so I have to choose to believe that. I do feel like King David in this season, not happy, struggling, not understanding, is how I seem to start all my journal entries. But then, God, you always come. I need to continually look to the truth. Jesus, God's promises, not to what's true, as circumstances are sucking right now. It is a decision to follow and trust Jesus. Definitely not an emotion, as I'm not happy with your planning at the moment or your timing. Love you, Kendi. Once again, I had to trust in God's process. I didn't see how this is a good thing. Why would this happen? But I had to trust that God's good and his outcome's in his hand. I just have to trust his process. Um, There's a song by Mercy Me um, and there's a word in it. The song is I Say I Won't and there's a line in it that says, I don't understand, I didn't understand that I was driving going 35 when I actually had a rocket inside. Like we don't understand the potential God's given us or what we can handle or it's not actually our strength that does stuff. And I think the scripture that's come to life for me through all this is he actually says when we are weak, he makes me strong. So why get anxious or fear anything? Because when you're not coping, he is. So you can stay on the same level. Not saying that happens all the time. But and another thing that he's brought to light is when we're actually in Psalms 23 and we're walking through the valley, he doesn't, he never lets us walk through the valley unless we get verse 2, which is that he's sustained us and he's told us what we need to know. And I think the exciting thing is in verse 3, when he actually says his path of righteousness and then he goes you into the valley, you're still on the same path. You're not off the path. It just looks different and it's a bit wobbly and, um, you know, Kurt sent me a, a Snapchat the other day and it was a picture, Snapchat, TikTok, something. And it was a picture of our goals and it has you at the beginning and a straight line with a tree and then it was another straight line and the finish line where actually your path is like this and then up and then down. But he's still with us. Like it's just amazing. Like at the moment I feel like I'm in verse 6. Like surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Like life's awesome. I'm still in awe of what he's done. But at the same time I know I'll be back at the top again. And it's just the circle of life, Psalms 23. But he's with you in every single verse. He's got us. Um, And I think I've realised I'm not in control, which is really hard once you realise that. Um, I'm not in control of Scott's life, Kurt's life or Molly's. But I know God knows their name. And my only job is to pray. My only job is to pray. So, yeah, and he'll answer. So, yeah. Um, So the week leading up. To the surgery, so for two weeks they they make us stay at home and isolate, COVID etc. So we're both at home isolating, and then sure enough, you've seen the picture. One of those cysts, two of them on the left hand side and one of them on the right hand side, both burst. So extreme pain um, off the hospital for that, and then we check in and they get me under under control as far as the pain's concerned. But so many different doctors and interns and specialists and surgeons running through the place. Um, no, you'll be right. Surgery will go ahead Friday. Oh, I don't know. Look sketchy. No, nah, you'll be right. And there's just this different, different opinions the whole time. So we've got Molly in America where our daughter lives on the plane, off the plane. Is she coming? Is she not? So sure enough, it gets to, it gets to Wednesday night. Um, it burst on the Monday. The surgery's on the Friday. 
And they finally came in and said, no, we're not doing it. So we decided to put Molly on the plane anyway and they gave us a date, which was two weeks out. So we ended up isolating at home for four weeks, waiting for the surgery. Um, then the surgery time finally came around and Molly was home, which was really cool. And then there was just, for me, there was just, uh, so the way they, sorry, just the way they do it is they take Kendi out first, they wheel her down, they take her kidney out, they make sure she's okay, and then they call for me and take me down. So knowing that that was the process, when they called for me to take me down, I just knew that, okay, that meant she was okay, and the nurses backed up um, that as well. But just the calmness for me of um, going down the corridor and it's forever to up the elevator and by the time you get to the, uh, to the surgery place, uh, to the theatre, it was, it was just this calmness for me because I just felt, look, if God's given me someone 30 years ago that's, a, I'll say, perfect match, um, kidney-wise, you know, why would he let anything go wrong now? So I kind of had that, that calmness and that thought throughout the entire process and, um, and obviously things did go well and everything went fine and even to the point afterwards where, they, where I woke up and they wheeled me out of surgery and I said, because we're in the same ward but we're obviously in different rooms, um, they said, hey, do you want to do a drive-by? And I'm like, where are we going, Maccas? What are you talking about? Nah, do you want to drive by your wife's room so you can see her? And I'm like, hell yeah. So they go out of their way, wheel me past, we wave. That's about it really. It wasn't, wasn't too long. And then, yeah, back to my room and then pretty much excruciating pain for the next um, four to six weeks. Now, I'm going to show you a photo of the scar, Lodge. So that's the scar. Now, the funny thing is I took that with my iPhone trying to figure it out where it was. When the surgeon came in to look at that the first time, he was patting himself on the back like he'd made the best. He was like, oh, that looks great. That's healing perfect. That's wonderful. I'm looking at it thinking the work experience kid did it with a glue gun. <laughs> and I'm like, and he's like, oh, mate, I'm so whew, patting himself. And look at, look at that, Johnny. And I'm like, okay. But sure enough, I, I won't show you the finished product, but it, yeah, they know what they're doing because it turned out really, really well. So um, gets to the end of our time in hospital. Um, Kendi left before I did and you, it's interesting you have the, the kidney specialist telling you you stay as long as you need to stay if you need to stay four days you stay four days if you need to stay five days you're the one calling the shots Scotty you make sure that you leave when you're comfortable okay nurse comes in you're leaving today no 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 my specialist said well he's not here he's off so you're leaving no 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 my back's too stiff this that the other so I was in so much pain but they said you're leaving and you're leaving and I, I kind of little bit of a tantrum, nothing too crazy. But, um, of course, they're like, well, not only are you leaving, but you need to go sit in this waiting room for the pharmacist to come and give you all your tablets before you can leave the place. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. I'm in that much pain still. They had a little pain buster in the wound, which is the best thing ever, where it administers local anesthetic every hour and you can't feel a thing. But once that comes out and the rest of the drugs are all taken out of your body, then it's, it's pretty excruciating. So... Feeling a bit sorry for myself, you know, what was me, but yep, they kicked me out of the room and I walked down this corridor into the waiting room, which I knew had a couple of couches in it, so I was going to lay down and wait for this pharmacist. Um, and sure enough, I turned the corner. There's some dude on one couch and there's his wife on the other couch. So I'm like, this is great. So I walk in, introduce myself. Now I look down and I see that he's got the same red bag that I've got, which means kidney transplant. So I've met him and his name's Steve. And sure enough, polycystic kidneys, 
He's a tiny lad, a little bit younger than me. He's had one of those kidneys taken out and one of them put in at the same time. So he's gone through double the surgery that I've gone through. Um, and of course, I'm feeling so sorry for myself. God puts me in a situation where I'm in this room with him. We've, I won't say we're best friends now, but we go to um, clinic together for over a month every single day. We call each other. He went back into hospital. Kenny and I went and visited him. Um, we know where he lives. Kenny's good friends with his wife. He's best friends with my boss. They live three doors down from each other. The whole thing's just crazy. But um, I kick up this fuss about leaving my room and there's a guy that's had surgery worse than me. Um, he's in there as well waiting on the pharmacist. He's waiting in there because he needs a wheelchair to make it back to his car, at least I can walk. Um, so it's just really interesting. And then I don't find out until afterwards um, when I go to clinic, the reason they wanted me out of my room um, was because there was an 18-year-old who had chronic kidney failure and he was next in my room. Now, I didn't meet him until we made it to the clinic a week later as well. So, yeah, just interesting that I made friends with these two guys and I'm the one feeling sorry for myself kicking up a fuss when God's in the background obviously going, mate, you need to go because we got an 18-year-old that needs your room. And, yeah, it, was, it just reminded me of um, the song Waymaker, even when I don't see you, you're working – even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop. You never stop working. And Proverbs 16, 9, the heart of a man plans his ways, but the Lord establishes his steps. So really learn a lot around, you know, being selfish and worrying about myself during that one, two, three-hour period of me having to leave the hospital where um, I never would have met Steve and this 18-year-old's probably sitting in a corridor somewhere waiting to take my room um, in who knows what kind of pain. So, yeah. Scott makes the cancellation of surgery sound so fine. Just cancellate for a month. Four-week anyway. holiday. It was easy. Anyway, so we had a week before surgery. I'll give you my version of it. Right? I, had, I had a week before surgery, right? It'd been on the cards for a year. I had schedules. I had Linda Smith picking up kids. I had everything organised. I had my rosters. I had my schedules. I was just so organised. Anyway, the Sunday night before, Scott goes, oh, my kidneys are a bit sore. I said, you're right, pray for peace, pray for peace, everything will be fine, Scott. And we went to sleep. Well, Monday morning we wake up, he goes, nah, as I think they're going to burst. I said, no, no, you'll be fine. He goes, no, no, they're going to burst. So they get in the car, make sure he doesn't, you know, faint on the way there or pass out. He's in so much pain, I'm hitting every bump possible. But anyway, we get up there. Surgery is meant to be on Friday. Like Scott said, all the specialists are coming in going, no, surgery's still happening, surgery's still happening. And I'm thinking, he's on endone every hour. His heart's not in rhythm. I'm like, are you kidding me? He can't go in. So Wednesday morning, I very clearly, I'm in the shower and I'm like, God, listen, I know you can heal him. Like I've said before, you can heal the cysts, you can settle him down and surgery can be Friday. But I'm telling you, how he is now, unless you heal him, I'm really stressing about surgery because I know that God knows that I signed a stat deck two weeks before saying if the kidney comes out of me and something happens to Scott, they're not putting it back in me and I'm blessing another family that I don't know. So Scott's not getting it. So I'm like, I, I really don't want this, but God, if, you, if it's meant to be, it will be and you're in control. So I remember saying saying, God, and I need to know today, Wednesday's the cutoff. I can't keep doing this. I've got to know today, is it happening or if it's not? Anyway, as you know, 
it was cancelled um, and I was just, I was really peaceful with it being cancelled. Even though I cried, I've never cried so much that week, but I wasn't fearful or anxious. I was just sad. It was just sad and he was so cruel and, yeah, it's not nice going into hospital every day. So, um, but I was like that whole two weeks, I was like, you will be done, you will be done, you're awesome, God, you know, thank you, thank you. And it was, it, it was amazing, but emotions are really real. I'm really real. Um, so then it was cancelled, isolating for another two weeks. I mentioned to Scott and Kurt the other day that I reckon we could do an RV holiday now, like we've been together that long, but Kurt's not a fan. Kurt's like, no, not happening. Scott's snoring's too bad. But um, now, the Wednesday before surgery 2.0. All right, we're like, right, this is it. God, you've still got us. So I dropped Kurt at basketball and I was on my way home and I'm like, you will be done. And then it just hit me, it's like, can't say that. Can't say you will be done anymore. I can't say it. I, I don't know what your will is going to be, and I don't. I need to know. I, I don't want what you want. I want it to be a success. I don't want. I want Scott to be well. I want all these things, and I'm just like, oh, there's all of a sudden anxiety just flooded me. I'm in the car going, I can't say you will be done, <laughs> and I was feeling really bad. And then I heard like a little silent voice, God say, you know, Jesus say, quote Philippians four. And Kendi being Kendi, I'm like, not the time right now. I don't need to be quoting that right now. I'm going through something. I'm not saying it. I've quoted it so many times over these last 20 years. I know what Philippians 4 says. I'm not saying it. Anyway, and then it's like, Kendi, say Philippians 4. I'm like, oh, whatever. So I'm like, all right, be anxious for nothing. And let all your requests. And then I just stopped and it was a light bulb moment. I'm like, oh, he wants to know my requests. He wants to know what I'm feeling. He wants to know what I want. So I'm like, all righty, here we go. I want Scott to be well. I want Scott's surgery to go well. I want my surgery to go well. I want Kurt and Molly to be together on the day. I want all my family together on the day, which they were, which was awesome. I want, I want it to be a success and I want our journey, because you haven't healed him, which I'm at peace with. You haven't healed him. You've gone through all this. It has to be for good. You have to have a reason behind it. Okay, that's my requests. And then instantly... I just had peace from the Wednesday night. I was like, oh, oh, it was so good. And then Thursday, I went into dialogue. You were dialyzing on the Thursday. So I went in with Scott before he had his surgery, left him in there the Thursday night, went home, went in Friday, had surgery. It was just so weird. The peace was truly beyond my understanding. Um, and then often what I do at night is, you know, I'll put out my right hand and then I grab Jesus' hand and roll over to sleep. It's just a little thing I do. So before surgery, I just was like, grabbed his head. Just, and then that's the last thing I remember. And then I remember waking up and it being done. And you're just like, he's just so faithful. And like Philippians 4 has basically was my mission statement for many a year. Um, but he knew that I hadn't heard that word. He knew that I needed that. Like, um, yeah, he's just really, really, really faithful. And I think all I needed to know was that he, that I knew, that he knew, that I knew he knew my requests, if you know what I mean. Like it was sort of, yeah, it's weird, but hang on, I don't know if there's anything else. Yeah, and yeah, he's just faithful. He's really faithful. Thank you. Um, so post-surgery, we had this plan in our heads. They said, oh, it'll take you about six to eight weeks to recover. So we thought, geez, six to eight week holiday, this is wicked. Um, nah, not at all. Kendi's parents moved in. That's not a holiday anyway, is it? <laughs> Sorry, Scott. Oh, geez. That, my brother-in-law's here. I forgot. <laughs> Sorry, Sally, watching online. 
I forgot I was filmed. Elijah, edit that bit, bro. Um, so, no, we had this plan of this six to eight week holiday and, you know, with, uh, I, I jest, but without Kenny's parents moving in, um, her dad drove me to the clinic, you know, 28 days in a row and, you know, we were really lucky to, um, to get that to get that support because, yeah, there's, I, I was lucky enough to be comfortable in bed. She was comfortable in a recliner, which is at the other end of the house. So this little six to eight week um, holiday was not even seeing each other. We we're at different ends of the, of the house the whole time. And then follow up after that, there's been multiple ultrasounds, scans, biopsies, um, uh, like throw up the medication photo, brother. There's the ongoing medication is ridiculous to to sit there and put it in my little daily planner and, and get it all right because, you know, I need extra sun protection. My um, my immune system's way low because of the meds and there's blood pressure tablets in there. There's tablets in there to help my body not relate, or, you know, react to the tablets and there's nausea, this and that and the other. So, yeah, it's pretty full on. And then um, what they were doing these biopsies and everything, there was this lot of fluid that was sitting around the kidney and they were worried – not that it wasn't rejecting, but they were just worried about this fluid. And the fluid then resulted in a, um, how do I say this, Ken's? A rather swollen testicle. I think we've got a photo of the. Um, <laughs> he's shaking his head. Uh, what? File was too big. Gotcha. <laughs> Sorry about that. File was too big. Elijah's like 12, he's freaking out back there. <laughs> so, and even that was a worry and, um, but I, I extended my sick leave. I, again, I spoke to Steve. Sorry. Um, I went and spoke to Steve, the guy. And I said to him, when are you going back to work, brother? And he said, well, I was supposed to go back to work in Feb, uh, sorry, at the end of January. But as you know, I've had some complications. So, and the other thing is, I'm not going to. You know what? I've lost. His kids are a lot younger than mine. And he said, I've just. I'm upset for him, not me. Uh, he'd lost all relationship with his kids. So he said, I'm going to take an extra month while I can to build that relationship back up with my kids before I go back to work. So, the good thing is, as I said, he was best friends with my boss. So if he's not going back to work, then if I extend my leave, my boss is going to be like, oh, yeah, it makes sense. So I did. I extended my leave for another month and I go back on Tuesday. So um, that should be cool. Um, but, yeah, it's just been – it's been interesting since since the surgery. But I think I'm in a place now where um, I'm feeling a whole lot better, a whole lot clearer. It's unbelievable. The, the blood is a whole lot cleaner. My levels are um, where I was when I was a 19-year-old. So I'm extremely lucky. Um so I will end with Romans 8.28 and can hardly see the page now with these tears. And we know that all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have called him according to his purpose. So, um, yeah, extremely lucky to be in the position that I'm in, extremely lucky to have. Uh, Kurt, no joke. You. <laughs> <laughs> um, very lucky to have Kurt, of course. But a wife that so unselfishly has um, given me a kidney and put her life on hold uh, to help me out. So I'll let you close. Um, yeah, afterwards the surgery did hit us for six. Um, 
but I think it's a good thing as well because it just showed that we really didn't have any anxiety and fear about doing it. Like I didn't even think about afterwards. So it hit us for sick. But I'll just tell the wives one story. So it was really good that my parents were down because on the first day Scott was home, I came home Monday, Scott came home Tuesday. I'm on the recliner, three, three um, scars, can't really, you know, struggling. He is in the bed lying down. He goes, Kendi! Kendi! I'm just like, and I look at my dad, that's like, I don't know. I'm just like, oh. So get the recliner up, hobble up the hallway, and this is him. He's sitting here in the bed, and he's like, go and get my laptop. So the crowds. And I'm like, are you kidding me right now? I just got you a kidney. I'm not, I can't, I can't get it. I can't get it, mate. And he's like, oh, I need my socks off my feet. Because what happened was me and Kurt, before surgery started, me and Kurt not sounding nasty, but we were a bit over him being sick. Like, so Molly coming back for the two weeks was like, oh, dad, rub your head, rub your feet. Like, he really got spoiled. Of course, she'd left. So I get my laptop. Anyway, so I called mum up. I said, mum, can you pick the laptop off the floor that I can't bend over and take his socks off? Oh, of course, Scott, of course. So she gets the laptop. And I look at him, I'm like, I'm not coming up again. Okay, okay. So, so if my parents weren't with me, I would have struggled because he would have still been going, Kendi, Kendi. So. You reckon I had mayonnaise to stuff. Oh, Jeez. That was true. I don't even remember that. But I think the, you know, the continual story is he's going to be the same God. So whatever we go through next, it's the same God, same principles, just different situations. And he's so faithful. Um, and, like, there were a lot of mountain moments this year as well. Like, on the top, like, Molly was able to come home from surgery and she was here for three months instead of less. Kurt told me a God moment he had that I was just so excited about. Um, you know, Kurt's growth in his in having all his dreams ripped away, then going through our family situation as well. Just how he's holding, held himself as a man, um, he's positive and he's just turning out to be such a great kid through this year has been really awesome. Um, Watching, I think, Molly and Kurt love on Scott despite not getting anything back has been beautiful. Like, they just love their dad. And um, I suppose for us now to have Scott back, it's amazing. Like, he, he'll sit here and talk to me at home. And I'm just like, oh, it's so good to have you back. I'll have a conversation. And he's just like, yeah, whatever, can do. But because he was so engrossed in being crook, he didn't know how sick he was um, because it just gradually goes down with kidneys. So... When me and Kurt, like, we haven't had ribs for about a year. And then he's like, oh, let's do ribs. We'll buy ribs. We'll do the And me and Kurt are like, okay, whatever. So it's really, it's awesome having him back. But, you know, it's still a long journey with what's wrong. But, you know, God's got it. Life's so good. You can't look at what's bad, like negative, um, because it's a blessing. Uh, and, you know, there's a song um, by Maverick City that's called Shall Not Want, which of course sounds 23 again, my favourite. And it said, you know, my soul's got a shepherd in the valley. I shall not want. I won't be afraid of the shadow because I've seen the sun. You know, it may suck and you might not be happy. And, but I just encourage you all, whatever you're going through, run to God. Don't run away from him. Yell at him. Get upset with him. But he's going to give you the answer to get out of it. You've got to run to him not away from him. Um, and there's one of my favourite verses uh, is um, Genesis 8 and it just said, and God remembered and thought kindly of Noah. 
So God knows my name and he thinks kindly of Kindy. Like, how nice is that? So I just, and that's true for everyone. You can put everyone's name in that verse. Um, But I think what we've realised is we're not in control of the outcome. We've got to trust in his process. Um, We make plans for tomorrow, but really tomorrow is just my imagination because it's not true yet. But I choose it to be good. I choose to think I'm going to have a good tomorrow. And we have lived and we will continue to live speaking in the name of Jesus. Even when we don't know why, why something's happening or, you know, just on your knees going, God, I don't get this. I don't get the process, but I have to trust you. Um, One of my favourite songs, if you know me, I have songs for everything. And my main song for this year was You Hold It Together by Maverick City. And I'll just say a few of the lines. It says, on the mountaintops you stay the same, on the valleys low you never change. God of my future, God of, sorry, God of my present, you're the God of my future. You write my story, you hold it all together. You are the alpha and the omega. You are the middle, you hold it all together. So I choose, or we choose, life every day because joy comes from Jesus, not our circumstances. And so many little miracles he gives us every day if we just look for them instead of looking what's not right. And there's a quote that I love that says, don't wait for things to get easier, simpler, better. Life will always be complicated. Learn to be happy right now, otherwise you'll run out of time. Because every day is a gift and Jesus wants the best for us. It's just, yeah, he's good. He's really, really good. That's it. So thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to this message from Port Life Church. If you have any questions, please email info at portlife.org.au. Have a great day.